Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I have with me Kieran Browning. Welcome to the show, Kieran. Thanks, Mads. Happy to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Kieran, believe it or not, not everyone in the world knows about you yet. Would you mind telling people a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and so on? I don't believe it, but I'll, I'll answer your question anyway. So my name is Kieran Browning. I'm a business streamlining consultant, and I help agency owners streamline their operations so they can scale their business without needing to be involved in all the day-to-day running of it. Excellent. That was very effective and concise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. So... Kieran, you have obviously worked with a few business owners by now and helped them sort of streamline and, and you know, mm-hmm. set up the right systems, right? How do you usually go about those engagements? Like what's generally your process and how do you mm. ensure success? Yeah. So agency owner will come to me and they're stressed out and they're working long hours and uh, they need to be growing their business, but you know, they're really struggling with that feast and famine um, you know, clients have mismanaged expectations, like all, all the classic problems that um, people commonly have in business. And yeah, so we just come in from an external uh, perspective and do an analysis of the business. So most agencies have their marketing, their sales, and their fulfillment. And a lot of businesses, the owner is the bottleneck for the marketing, is the bottleneck for the sales, and is the bottleneck for the fulfillment. So the first thing I do is just find out what is everything that you are doing in a day or in a week? What is everything you plan to do in the next month? And can we just stop doing as many of those things as possible so that we can just focus and focus on building the system out? And how long does it typically take you? Like, uh, obviously, we, we work with some of the same people, so I'm very curious. Like, how long does it typically take you to get someone from super unorganized to, to an organized state? Um, so about eight to 12 weeks, if I can come in, do this analysis and, you know, they're already clear with what they want to do and that sort of, they're not going back and forth on which different business model they want to run. Um, but they're clear on what they want to do. We can get clear quickly and then declutter as many of their commitments as possible. If you're learning Portuguese as a second language and you're trying to, uh, grow a business, I just tell you to stop stop for now so if you're willing to do all those things and then we can drill out and fix up the create like a proper system for your marketing proper system for yourselves proper system for fulfillment you can see really good results in like the first four weeks but i like to you know make sure that these things are in place so it takes about eight eight to twelve yeah and that's obviously one thing is creating habits right because what what i definitely see a lot is that you know people are like oh yeah now i'll do that differently but then two weeks later, they have already jumped back into the old way of doing things, right? So yeah, yeah, 100%. Definitely, definitely make sure you want to ensure they get into the new habits. Well. Okay, mm. that's cool, that's cool. And what what is generally the biggest challenges or the biggest roadblocks that you bump into with people? So there's the desire, so the problem is that agency owners are wearing too many hats, taking on too much responsibility, too many things. And the solution is to stop doing that. And the problem is the ego of, I don't really want to let go, but I need to let go, but I don't really want to let go. 
I call it inception level persuasion, where I just ask like a long series of questions and you tell me what needs to be done essentially. Um, So, you know, how much money do you want to be making? Like, what do you need to be doing? Okay. Well, if you need, and how many more clients will that require? Okay. So if you need to double the amount of, so if you need to double your revenue, logically that means you either need to double the value of your clients or double the quantity of your clients which means you're going to need to double the fulfillment capacity of your business, which probably means you're going to double the number of staff you have. And yeah. that's like, like, does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And so then the desire that people have to not want to hire new staff, you know, is overcome by that. And then additionally, whilst we're talking to you about staff, stuff like, I don't really want to, I just want to, I just want to find someone, anyone on Upwork and hire them for cheap. And then they'll just do what I say. Like, all right, well, has that worked in the past? No. <laughs> you know, do you want, do you like, for how long, how much longer are you going to be running this business for? Is it going to be three months or is it going to be five years? Like, are you going to be able to achieve your goals without, like, a skilled team? Like, no. Okay. Well, the, can, can we put in, does it make sense to invest, you know, another three hours or two hours or something in fleshing out and reviewing your recruitment process and your selection process? to make sure that, you know, you're not just wasting time and putting and, and putting the business in the same situation it is now in three months or something like that. Telling them what to do never works, but asking them questions that lead them to the conclusion I was going to tell them anyway seems to work fantastically so far. Yeah, one thing, and this specifically, what I like to ask is, is very specifically around you know, right now you have 10 clients. If you need to scale to 20 clients and you need to do twice as much work, not the team, but if you need to do twice as much work, can you do that right now? And, yeah, you know, yeah. well, I'm already working 800 hours a week, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I probably can't double that. Right? And you're like, yeah. right. So there's two options. You either want to go and delegate or... <laughs> You, you want to go down the route of killing yourself. That's sort of the two yeah. options, right? So, but, but you're totally right with the ego thing because for a lot of people, the need to feel needed is huge. And, and actually, when they go through this process of delegation, like I've, I've had a couple of clients, you know, that have literally been like, I don't know what to do. Like my, my team just does everything. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm no longer needed. I'm like, great, that's what you wanted. And like, I thought that was what I wanted, but it doesn't feel good. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and it, I think it's kind of similar. Like, you know, when, when people work on a business for many years and then they sell the business, they often feel like a big a room of emptiness because they identify with being that guy who does shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of the same sort of feeling that I see with people. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something you need to go through. And it's, it's something that you actually have to, it's a benefit if you can prepare yourself a little bit mentally for it because it, it's, it's definitely a shift, no doubt, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Right. Yeah. Fortunately, it's a lot easier to adjust to having a good business that runs well than it is to have a business that doesn't run well. <laughs> so for, fortunately, it's, an, it's a better problem to have, yeah. It, it's a better problem. I think everyone agrees on that, but I would say I, I definitely know people who really really struggle to get there um, but but yeah it's uh we're, we're helping people fight better problems let's say it that way yeah yeah 
I have too many clients now. Like, okay, well, yeah, that's that's a better situation. Yeah, that's actually exactly what you said before. One one thing that people rarely think about is increasing the value of existing clients. Right? They're always like, oh, well, you know, if I double the client, I have to double the work, and I'm like. Well, you could also just increase the price, make more money. And because obviously when you increase the price, your, your margins go up big time, right? Like mm. if you increase your price 50%, you'll make a lot more money because your cost often stays the same or maybe slightly increased, but you know, you make significantly more money in the end. So if you have specific targets to reach, finding ways to actually increase the price per customer is often a lot more effective way than just necessarily scale the volume of the customers you're dealing with, right? Yeah, yeah. I think like that's that's one of the areas where having a consultant is super valuable because they can just, I mean, you implicitly can think to yourself, I should increase your prices, but having someone there saying you, def- you desperately need to increase your prices and you should is, because yeah. um, you know, it's not necessarily an informational problem, but a motivation problem. Like, hey, you should increase your increase your prices. Also, this other staff member, you probably need to fire them. Like, someone yeah. can just come in and, and say that, and it's like a conversation you don't really want to have for yourself, but that can be what's needed to push you over the line. I, I think it's also, like, at least my observation is that a, a lot of the time, it's so much easier to look at someone else and someone else's business oh, than yeah. look at your own stuff, right? Like, when you see... So sometimes, like, I've, I've been through it, like, in the past, right? Like, I've been looking at someone, I've been sitting, giving them advice. And then, you know, when I actually sit and rationalize after the coaching call, I'm like, oh, I'm not actually doing that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like it, it's often so much easier looking at someone else's business and, and seeing it from the outside rather than actually looking at your own business, right? And, and yeah. I think that's, for, for me, that's always been the value of coaches. Like, I've always had a lot of coaches, both both sort of private coaches, but also like even, you know, when I go to the gym or when I do things, like I, I always try and start out with a coach, right? Just because it really cuts down your learning so much. And for me, the time is so much more valuable than, than you know, the, the little bit of mon- money you invest up front with having a coach, right? But it just makes you able to get results so much quicker. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of coaching. I heard um, the guy from Freakonomics, Stephen Levitt, describe what well, he said it for, for consultants, but it applies. He said um, basically what they do is make pretty obvious, <laughs> like everyone knows recommendations to a company. And then for some reason, because a consultant said it, the company will actually implement it. And so he, he like, he intended this to be an insult, but I see that as a compliment because, yeah, that, that's exactly what we do. <laughs> yeah. I, say pretty, I, I tell you pretty obvious stuff that you yourself have probably thought, but because it's me who told you and you're paying me, you actually do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that and, and that's a great point. So one of the things for me was when I started coaching people in the beginning, like I, I just loved doing it so much that I used to do it at, either for free or at a very low cost, right? Mm. And. And I couldn't get it, but people didn't get the results. And, and I knew like what I was telling them was the right thing. But it was first when I actually started charging a sensible amount of money that people started seeing results. And it was exactly back to that thing. If they're not taking a hit, if they don't feel they're really paying for it, they don't actually take action on it, right? Yeah. So, so giving, and, and it's typical, like giving people free advice uh, doesn't often work because they just don't take it. Um, and and this, it goes back to exactly what you said. Like sometimes it's not 
the important thing is not what are you, what should you do. The important thing is getting it served in a way that actually make you take action on what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm 100% the same way as well. Give me information free. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Make me pay for it. Oh, now you've just created an incredibly motivated individual. I'll do yeah. anything if I paid money for it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. You've also been through some management learnings yourself, Kieran. Um, what's sort of been the biggest learning points from a management standpoint that you've gone through? So this connects directly with you. So I, I received some, when I used to work as a consultant in Perth, uh, CRM consultants, um, yeah. the, I got some feedback from my boss that um, know, he put it more delicately than this, but basically it was a nightmare to deal with, for, with my other staff. And that the, the, I'm very gentle with clients and very smart about dealing with clients, but with my fellow colleagues and it, like uh, the people who have to delegate stuff to, it was, it was awful, just really impatient um yeah just direct but like not tactful and i sort of recognized that as being true but then didn't really do anything about it and then working uh you know with dave um who we both know at his e-commerce store turned agency same deal had some staff had no idea what was going on i assigned them tasks they don't do it i don't understand why like i, I just didn't understand it and then you did a uh, seminar for us explaining, you know, DISC and how this whole thing works. And that blew my entire mind. That blew the fabric of my being and the importance of having one-on-one -on -one meetings, the importance of establishing personal relationships and how people just have different communication strategies. And this whole complete revelation to me, then I was able to fix the relationship I had with my staff in like two weeks to the extent that they were telling me after a couple of weeks that they didn't like me a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> that they yeah. felt they felt comfortable enough with me to like reveal that. So yeah. I, I learned the hard way because I was a horrible, horrible manager before this, before, before all this. Interesting. And, and it, it's very interesting when you, when you start talking to people and you sort of see personality changes, right? Again, it, it's the same as with this consulting. It's like, it, it's so critical that you serve that thing, like the, the feedback in the right way for people to actually comprehend it, right? Because a lot of the time, it's easy to say, oh, you should be this, like you should be nicer to your staff or you should be, like it's easy saying it, but if you don't actually make people understand the why and, and how things work, then it's very difficult, right? And that's like for me, when I work with people in delegation, like the number one thing is always really the mindset behind it more than, you know, this is how you do it because everyone knows they should delegate, but there's a reason they don't do it. And it's because they, they haven't fully understood both like the value of it, but they haven't fully understood like the whole purpose and the reason behind it. They're like, oh, yeah, but if I delegate, you know, then I have to follow up on everything. And, but they, they, they haven't really got the right mindset around it. And that's why for me, I mean, it sounds like you work in a similar fashion with clients, right? But for me, it's always getting the mindset right first and then getting people into the right track on what they need to do, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like one of the questions that I heard you say in a presentation, which, you know, like real kick in the guts, because it was just true, was like, would you, 
or I think you said it something like this, like, would you want to work for you? And the answer for me was definitely at that time, definitely not. <laughs> I would not want to work for myself. Uh, like if, if I, if someone exactly like me offered me a job, I would turn it down like vehemently. And so then you got to ask the question like, all right, well, how are my management skills? And yeah, someone from that. But one of the things I've found helped my clients once we sort of pass that and they understand they definitely need to delegate is creating a system for delegation that isn't a gigantic hassle that isn't a huge pain in the ass. You know, make, you, making sure they're using task management software so they don't have to find out where they put that task and making sure that they're, you know, copying and pasting a templated message from a written, a written process for this, that it's the same thing every week so that it cuts down a bit on the, the management that's required and getting the staff to write out their own written processes so that it's a bit easier. When people think of delegation, they think of this like mountain of difficulty, which isn't necessarily the case at all. And once we establish that system for one area, clients are a lot more likely to be enthusiastic about applying the same sort of stuff for every other area. Totally, totally agree. And what, one of the things that I see very interesting is that um, when when you have people, like when, when I talk to people in the beginning, it's always like, oh, you know, uh, my competitor, you know, my friend's business running so well, it must be because he's using this other task management software than I am. And I'm like, dude, what software you use literally makes zero difference. I mean, that, that's a little bit different between the tools, right? But it's not the fact that they use a different system. It's the fact that they use the system. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like it, and and it's, it's such an obvious thing. But most people, it, it, it's often like this aha moment that's like, oh. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I used to be a, a CRM consultant um, selling you know, Microsoft Dynamics CRM, these like very, very complicated uh, software packages. And yeah, that was, my God, it doesn't matter which software you use. But it's, it's the way you use it is about 90%. That matters and the other 10 percent is the features of the software particularly i mean the companies i work with less than 10 staff you know they're not they think they're doing complicated project management but they're really not it's just task management yeah. and so i'll be like i mean trello asana click i don't care just get one of them i really don't care when we're going to spend zero seconds talking about it because from the stuff i'm going to get you to doing it doesn't make any difference yeah. it's an assignee with a due date and a priority level and a task description and a commenting system and, and notification bell. And that's it. That's the only thing we're going to be using because uh, you can try to use more of it, but it won't work because it, because it doesn't work for, for most companies that try to implement it this way. And you need to be very, very conservative with how you implement software solutions, because if your staff won't use it, it's not going to happen. And if you won't use it, your staff won't use it. Yep. So I try and be extremely conservative with that type of stuff. But oh, Trello, Asana, click, who cares? Just, just pick one. It doesn't matter. Yep. Totally, totally the same approach to that one. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And um, so from a management standpoint, like what, what sort of your, like when, when you're working with your staff today, what, what are some of the absolute key things that you find most effective like for example from a not necessarily delegation but from a process management and a task management perspective what's some of the 
sort of best hints and tips that you have? So no one wants to make SOPs because they feel like it takes a long time. But the way around that is get your staff to do it for you. So, and, and do it for the tasks that they're making mistakes on. So when, before I, I do my weekly one-on-one meetings uh, with my staff and I keep a list of you know, a- any mistakes they've made or whatever, and I try, not to, I try not to be giving primarily negative advice. I wanna be, you know, be divvying it up so that, my, so that my staff don't feel like they're terrible at their jobs, because they're not. Um, but making sure that, all right, which, are the, which are the problems do they keep which mistakes do they keep repeating and then getting sort of getting them to walk me through their process rather than me walking through the mistakes that they make, get you to walk me through the process and then just ask pretty simple questions like, like how do we make this more like when they write their own SOP, which only takes five minutes or 10 minutes to make the first like functional draft. All right. So before you create, you know, the images like what, what's the pre-checks that are required? All right, well, can we start listing these things out? All right, and when you're checking the image is good, what does that really mean? All right, so it needs to be 1,200 by 1,200. It needs to have 20% text. It needs to have, you know, the, the feature be lit. You need to double check the text. Like what does that specifically mean? And get them, ask them how they can improve their own process. And yep. then magically... It requires less, they require less management and the errors that they make take less time compared to if I just make a list of mistakes that they made. Yeah. Which, you know, works dubiously well. And and that actually, it it comes into one of the things that's one of my biggest things from both a delegation, but also an ownership perspective, right? So in a lot of businesses, what happens is, and this is one of these internet I don't want to call it bullshit, but one of these internet business things is that, oh yeah, all you need to do is create an SOP, give it to someone and tell them what to do. And yeah. the thing is, yeah, that's maybe the case for the first five things because you know you know best and, and when you hire the first staff, that might be okay, right? But one of the things that I'm really, really keen on is that when, when you give people ownership for a task, you should definitely also give them ownership for the SOP that follows that task. And the yeah. reason is that they're the ones doing it, right? So yeah. they should be responsible for updating it. If you think that as a business owner, you can manage and run and update like 400 SOPs and keep them up to date, you're kidding yourself. You never yeah. will, right? Uh, but what you can do is, like if you have a customer service department, Make sure, even if you have multiple people in customer service, make sure that every SOP have one owner and make sure that there's a solid system, again, ideally one that you don't own, that makes sure that at least every three months, the person responsible for each SOP confirms that it have actually been updated, mm. right? Mm. And that way you basically ensures that all your SOPs are always somewhat up to date. Because what happens in most companies is that, you know, they go on an SOP spree, they update all the SOPs and, you know, they're like, yeah, all our SOPs up to date, life is great. And then what happens is six months later, nothing in the SOP actually matches what happens on the, on the actual production floor, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's such a shame. But if you actually hand over the ownership of doing the actual SOP and updating the SOPs to the people who are actually doing it, then you can actually make sure that's the best system to make sure that one, 
the people doing the work is responsible for it. And two, it also gives them ownership of actually updating shitty processes. Because if yeah. they're like, oh, you know, I own this thing. Actually, I think we should do this instead. Now, they still want to, you still want their boss, whoever, if, if that's yourself or someone else, to just verify like, yeah, that's cool. Let's change that. Um, but the fact that they come with it, the fact that they say, oh, I think we should update this process. This is what every business owner asks for. They're like, oh, I wish my staff would come and, you know, tell me that this should be done better. And this should be done differently. I wish they would. But really the reason they don't is because they haven't, really been handed over the ownership. They just get yeah. handed that SOP that, you know, yeah, if you just get handed SOP, it sucks. But if you actually get handed the ownership and the responsibility for something, that, that feels a lot better to people and it's a lot more effective, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- those are my easiest clients to deal with who have staff that are motivated and want to work and just presently their, their initiative is being stifled. Because I can yeah. fix that problem in one session. Like, all right, I mean, like, are you the expert at marketing? No, you're more the productivity person. All right, well, then can you, like, let's, let's hand over the reins of this to, the, uh, to, to your marketing guy. Then. Let's, let's get him to come up with the strategy. Let's get him to write his own SOPs. Let's get him. You're not just giving him the, the keys and then leaving. You're monitoring his progress. You're, you're, you're in the strategic reviews. You're asking these very detailed questions. But, you know, someone feels like they have ownership over the job and then magically they end up putting in 100%. They, they, they go the further mile. They care about their job. Yeah. And structurally, the conversations you're having are very similar to the conversations you would be having anyway. So, hey, I have this problem. I want to solve it. So, hey, we need to be getting more leads. I want you to, like, we need to be, so we need to be getting more leads. Um, I probably through LinkedIn outreach or something like that. So the conversation you could have is we need to be getting more leads from LinkedIn outreach. This is the SFP I have, and you're just going to go and do it. Or the conversation you have is we need to be getting more leads. Potentially we could be using LinkedIn as a strategy. What do you think? Like, yeah, we could probably be using LinkedIn outreach or whatever. I could sign in for sales navigator. Um, maybe we could set up some sort of system for it. I could do some research, you know, do that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, okay. Could you do that? Yeah, I could do that. All right, let's re- let's uh, come up with a plan and then review that plan. And then in five days, you review that. And the plan they come up with is very similar to the plan you were going to come up with, or maybe it's even better. But now they want to do it. Now they're motivated. Now you don't have to follow up with them. Now they're going to put in the extra mile. Now they're going to make sure that they don't want to make any mistakes. Now you have a motivated employee and it's structurally almost the exact same conversation, except you're asking questions instead of making statements. And yeah. your motivated employee is now, you know, is now going out of their way to you know, grow the business for you. you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a tremendously powerful transformation with a very minor switch and just how you talk to your staff. And, and, and particularly those kind of things. What, so I, I basically look at things and like the stuff you're already doing in your business. And for them, it can definitely make sense to, to build SOPs. But very often, again, because of this internet thing of how people think they should do things, very often what, what actually happens is people think, oh, I'm supposed to figure out how to do it and then hand over the SOP. But my favorite in business is... You know, when, when you have a staff member and you're like, oh, you know, 
like I, I did it with a podcast, for example. I mean, one, one of my favorite hires in a long, long time is my podcast editor. And exactly what I did was I said to her, like she didn't know much about podcasting and not sure if she even knew what podcast was when I hired her. But, you know, what I said to her was very straightforward. Like, you know, initially we need to get this podcast launched and the way it works is, you know, I want to, I want to press the record button. I want to rep- record an episode. And then uh, after I've episode, uh, after I recorded it, you know, I'll save the file and, you know, then you take it from there. So you, you need to figure out like, you know, how to publish it. You need to figure out how do we promote it. You need to figure out like, you need to figure out all the range basically and figure out all the sort of step-by-step stuff. Right. And for me, it's such an amazing way to do it because when you, when you become the expert, when you build the process, all questions come back to you. Mm-hmm. But the benefit is when you don't know, and like with, with this case as an example, like I don't know <laughs> because I haven't done it, right? So when you actually hand over the responsibility of the initial doing to someone else, what happens is they become the expert. And that means like sometimes they might ask you some more strategic questions, but all the, oh, how do I publish this thing? Or, you know, how do I get signed up to this thing or whatever? Like those kind of questions you don't get because they know you don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and that is absolutely my favorite way to delegate. So like say, oh, you know, we, we need to use this new platform. Go figure out how it works. So, you know, like we, we need to do, yeah, as you said, like LinkedIn, for example, we should do some LinkedIn stuff. I don't know how it works. Can you go figure it out type thing? And it just, exactly as you say, like it just, it, it's a different level of motivation, right? And it really, it, it's giving people that ownership that in, in the end of the day, give you the right results, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, if you don't know how to do it, well, then like, how would you find out? Well, you probably, you know, read some, just, just go through some courses, read some eBooks, do whatever. Well, what do you think your staff's going to do? They're going to do the same thing. So, and like, are you better at reading than they are? Like, it, all, all you're doing is just saving yourself time. Like, yeah. So, and, and one, one of the big things is that most people, and, and this is actually a mistake that's really good to correct. Most, most people probably, business owners know the best place to find the best resources, right? Like they probably, because they've been in business, they know a lot of stuff. So they probably know where they would go and find out. And sometimes they might have a, let's call it a better source than their staff members. But this is a big trap. Because again, if you tell a staff member, go read this guide over here, what happens is, again, you take the ownership away from them. Right, mm. and you kind of you you make yourself the fallout plan because if, if there's something they can't figure out and they're like, oh, boss man, the guide you gave me wasn't a great one, right? Then the, the responsibility actually falls back on you. So yeah. the whole secret here is, don't direct your staff, don't tell them where to look, let them find out by themselves, even if they don't find the most effective way initially, because over time they will, right? Yeah. And over time, because they because you don't know this stuff and they start knowing it, they will do it better than you. And this is exactly how you build amazing teams because the best teams happen when you have expert in various areas, particularly where you don't know. And it's so counterintuitive to most managers because, you know, they build the business and initially they're successful because of their skills and because of their knowledge. But as mm. soon as you get into moving from a, 
let's call it a freelancer business or a business where you're the one doing to having staff members, it's really, really critical that you change that approach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used to think that the key word in marketing manager was marketing. And then I realized the key word in marketing manager is management. If you're a bad manager, you're a bad marketing manager. Because yep. eventually, you know, you like, I, like, eventually, if you're any good at marketing management, you're not doing any of the marketing yourself. You're not making Facebook ads. You're not in Google. You're not writing blog posts. You're telling other people to do things or you're, or you're asking for strategic advice or you're, you know, you're delegating to stuff intelligently, but you're not necessarily doing it yourself. And that is the skill set to acquire. Yeah. So like one of, the, one of the exercises I have clients go through is just ask their staff. First, I would tell them to, initially I was telling them to write down a list, but that, that took too long. It was like, ask all of your staff right now, just send it in Slack. What are all the different tasks that you come to me for approval for? And then they get back the list and like, all right, let's go through that list together. Which of these things actually needs your approval? Like, which does it, I mean, do you have an additional expertise in this area than your staff or is it pretty much good enough? Because right now this is a hundred percent where you're the bottleneck. And a lot of the times, you know, half of the things on the list, it's like, yeah, I don't need to approve that, you know? And so I get them to train their own staff by, having a default response to a lot of those different tasks as whatever you think is best. Hey, like, you know, does, Hey boss, I have a question about blah, blah, blah. That doesn't really matter. You know, uh, I have yeah. a specific issue about that. Well, you know, you have more expertise than me. So whatever you feel is best, you know, you come up with a solution yourself. It's fine. So obviously that doesn't apply to extremely important stuff where you have more expertise than your staff, but there's a lot of stuff you can offload very quickly by just trying to ask the question, well, what do I need uh, to approve and what don't I need to approve? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and what, one of my secrets in this area is, is the fact that uh, it's a simple philosophy that that's basically never answer questions. So, you know, when your staff come to you and, and what I actually use generally is, I tell people, open up your Slack and open mm. up your Skype and look at all the questions that are probably blinking right now, right? Whenever you get a question, never answer the question. <laughs> no, but so what, what you, what you want to do is you want to answer that question with a question instead of with an answer. Because the problem is the easy thing, the fast thing to do is answer the question and get them moving. But the problem is that's a very short-term solution. So what you want to do instead is if people ask, for example, like, oh, you know, this customer won the refund. Can I give them a refund? Your question should be, what's okay, that one was, refunds, or, yeah. that, that, that one was very specific. But basically, what I normally ask is two questions. What do you see being the options? And then when they say, well, we can do X, we can do Y, then I generally ask them, what do you think is the right choice? That's and then I, I, I tend to say, if you think that's the right choice, I think you should do that. But you basically, the problem is when you, when you get people to ask you, what you're really doing is you're building a process in their mind that says, when this happened, go ask Bosman. Yeah. So what you do when you actually don't answer the question, but when you ask a question back to them instead, that's actually the first time they start thinking. Because normally they don't think about a question. All they do is like, oh, this happened, go ask Bosman. So they don't think about it and therefore they don't actually improve their skill of making those decisions. 
Whereas when you start asking them, you know, what would you do? They have to think about the scenarios. They have to think about, okay, I think this is the right thing to do. And what you do with that is, you know, when people come and ask you a question 20 times and 20 out of 20, they get it right. You're like, dude, you don't need to ask me this thing anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. you don't need to wait to 20 out of 20, but just as an example, right? Like you get to understand their mindset and there's two, there's two critical distinct, uh, it's not just saying, what would you do? Because sometimes they might get the right result, but they might get it with the wrong thinking, mm-hmm. right? So the reason why I like asking, what do you see as the options or what, what do you consider the best option to be or something like that? The reason why I do that is because I want to understand their thinking. So sometimes they might get a different result than I would have done, but they think in a good way and mm-hmm. then I'm okay with it. But if they're like, oh yeah, let's just give a refund because, you know, customers always right. Now, if I don't fundamentally agree with that mindset, I'll be like, hey dude, you know, if we would give a refund to every customer, you know, uh, how would we be running a business type thing? Or, you know, what do you think would happen to the business, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm much more trying to ask them questions if I feel the mindset is wrong, but mm-hmm. no, not wrong, that's wrong is not a thing. But if I, if I feel that their mindset is ineffective, I'm trying to ask them clarifying questions to understand how they think. And then when I understand how they think, then basically make sure that I I can ask questions to make them think differently if that's really needed. But most of the time, you know, 90, 95% of the time, really they get it right. And one of the favorite things when, when you do this and when you do this for a little bit, then ask questions, ask people, when you come and ask me a question, tell me what you think the options are and tell me what you would pick. Because if someone sent you an email and say, hey boss man, you know, I have this problem. I think this is the right thing to do. Do you agree? Now, if I just have to answer yes, do that, or yes, that sounds great. Um, that's a significantly easier thing having to do than if you have to go and write, oh, you should do X, you should do Y, you should do it like this, or you should do it like that. So if you have a few emails where you just need to say yes, that sounds great. That is significantly faster for you to deal with than having to type out the responses, hmm. right? Yeah. So when you, when you actually get people into this mindset in the first place, you can basically, that, that even the things where you have to make a decision or you know that are so big that your input is probably a good idea, you can make those decisions much faster and much more effective while again educating your team. Every time you make a decision, even a really important business decision, the people who are going to be able to make those decisions at some point, you want their input because you want them to be learning how to make that decision in the longer term. Even if you have to make the decision, you still want the education part with that individual to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a really clever approach. One of the things I find interesting about management is unlike with other areas, it actually makes it easier to think clearly and rationally about management when you think long-term about it. So, you know, asking yourself like what, what, over the course of a day, what's, what's faster? Me asking them to ask, like ask, answering questions with questions and over the course of a day, it's slower to do that, but you're not doing, but your business doesn't exist over the course of a day. It exists for, however long that you want to run this business for five years, 10 years, like, all right, well, over that time frame, does it make sense to train your staff 
to manage your staff in such a way that they they need less management going forward. Yeah, 100%. Does it make sense that your staff should, you know, take ownership and be updating their own SOPs? Yeah, 100%. So all these little things that take too long over the course of a week, uh, no-brainers and save an incredible amount of time over the course of, you know, months or, or years or something like that. But yeah, strangely with management in particular, thinking long-term leads to like people understand a lot, lot easier, I find. But yeah, it's a really yeah. good approach. Excellent. Well, Kieran, it has been a fantastic chat as always. Um, if people are desperate to get hold of you, how do they go about that? So you can email me at kieran at kieranbrowning.com or you can go to my website, kieranbrowning.com forward slash mads and you can book in that uh, a free one-hour strategy session on how to increase your organizational efficiency and just sort of go over, review your current situation, your goals and sort of see what resources I can recommend for you. Um, just mention mads in the, uh, in the message. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Kieran. And thank you to all the listeners for staying with us. We'll be back again next week. Have a great time. Awesome. Thanks, Mads. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.